Fuel is the official podcast of the 434th Air Refueling Wing. Join us for airman connections, leadership insights, mentorship, and happenings mixed with some fun and humor. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any person or business is ever intended. Welcome to the Fuel Podcast and the February 2022 UTA. I think we're calling this one Snowbit 22. So Josh, you had an entertaining time getting here yesterday, huh? It was, it was loads of fun, yeah. I'm a father-in-law, father-in-law drive the tractor in front of me with the plow so I could drive my uh, luxury Prius through the snow. Yeah, Prius, smart choice on any other day. Yeah. Uh, not so much well, this Well, I weekend. drive 86 miles one yeah. way, so. So we, uh, because of the snow and some sickness and some other things is we're a little late getting this podcast out, but uh, hopefully you understand and, and it's some good listening for the drive home or, or something like that. It's a balmy one degrees outside and I think we have a little bit over a foot of snow on the ground and and you still made it to the, the UTA or you didn't. And maybe you said, you know what, my area uh, just doesn't seem safe enough for me to make it out. And that's what we uh, we highly recommend around here is we, we highly recommend adulting at the highest extent possible. Uh, whenever possible. So make those decisions. Be smart. We we appreciate you guys doing that when it comes to uh, if you're sick or if the road conditions are are not there. Uh, a lot of things happening. A couple of chiefs retiring. We talked to Chief Scully last month. Uh, his retirement got pushed back uh, due to to COVID stuff. And so a couple of chief retirements this year, which you could see over 30 years on both of them um, of experience. I think over 75 or so years total experience that that it's going to walk out the door. So. Um, so we need you guys to, uh, be thinking about how we're going to fill those gaps in, in experience. And so today we talk with, uh, Colonel Wiltsey, who's the MSG commander here. And, uh, we talk about how sometimes our career goes right. And sometimes it takes some turns that, uh, we're, we're not expecting and, and how to, to make it through those and kind of the mindset to have, to, to make it through those unexpected turns. So, uh, we hope that you have a great UTA and we hope that you enjoy uh, this conversation with Colonel Wiltsey. So I'd like to welcome Colonel Wiltsey. Thank you so much, ma'am, for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know we go to a lot of same meetings, so uh, I know you're jam-packed, but thank you for being here. My pleasure. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. So uh, how long have you been here at Grissom? Got here uh, Labor Day weekend of 2019, air, yeah. about three days before the air show. First air show here in 17 years. So it was my welcome to Grissom air show. I appreciated that very much. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, have loved every minute of it. Started here as the maintenance group commander and then just through a chain of events ended up uh, as the mission support group commander and, and love love my job, love what I do. Yeah. So that's the difference. You know, they bring you here and they throw an air show and it's nice weather. They bring me here and I got COVID and it snowed. So it was, you it was, know, yeah, yeah. some people yeah, win, so, some yeah, people yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, you get what you deserve, I think. So, uh, so before that though, you, you've been a group commander prior to this, correct? I have. Yep. So started, uh, my first squadron command was at Dover when we stood up the C-17 maintenance squadron at, uh, the reserve wing at Dover. So most of your time in maintenance? Have you spent, were you a maintenance officer? I, yep. Commissioned as a maintenance officer, went to Chanute Air Force Base in Rantoul, Illinois, long mm -hmm. since closed for maintenance school back in uh, fall of 1989 mm -hmm. and uh, was out to McCord for my first duty assignment in February of 1990. Uh, spent the majority of my time in maintenance until uh, 2008 and uh We'll get into more of the story yeah. of the transition here in a little bit. But at that time, the logistics uh, readiness squadron commander position was open at Dover and, as an art and had been a TR prior to that, took that art job as a LRO and then lived in that world for a while, mission support group, and then back to maintenance group, some staff time, which having both maintenance and mission support worked out to be a fantastic blend and then here is maintenance and then switch to mission support. So definitely been bounced around. Man, all, all over the place. So 89 too, Josh, where were you at in 1989? Kindergarten. 
Not I, born? I was not a thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I was probably a thought, but I definitely yeah. was not born. Yeah. Not a, yeah. So uh, the, it's great. I love the fact that we have the, the different generations serving at, you know, and I didn't realize I would love it that much when I was an airman and I couldn't stand that, you know, I couldn't relate to these older people that were, you know, my instructors or whatever. And now I just, I look at it and I'm like, it's so great having, you know, because there's another generation behind you. There like is. You're not even the the lowest generation that's, that's serving right now. So I, I love that. And, um, we represent four decades, yeah. you know, right here. So yeah. that's crazy. Uh, kids, two kids, uh, grown both boys. I have one who is, uh, works as a, a therapist guide for an outdoor therapy program in Utah. And then, awesome. yeah, he loves what he does. He's an outdoor kid. And so you, he takes um, troubled young adults mm -hmm. and with the team that he works with, and they take them out to the woods and to the mountains and teach them how to be good teammates and team builders and confidence builders. And, and he loves what he does. Um, and then the other one is, I really do have a, a rocket scientist for a son. He's He works for Northrop Grumman on their uh, Cygnus rocket uh, mission launch team uh, and lives in the D.C. area. It's it's rocket scientists, like for real, right? And I always say there's, so Colonel Pemberton and I have this thing, if we're trying to figure something out is, he'll be like, well, I'll, I'll Google it. And I'll be like, I'll, her first name is Gretchen. And so I'll, I'll Gretchen it. And I go over and I'm like, Colonel, let's see. I have a question for you. And we'll see who gets the answer first. I win a lot of times. So, uh, but yeah, you, you, you knowledge. That's one of the things I've always admired about you is your walking book of knowledge. But you, one of the things I, I realized through being around you is you read so much crap. Not, and I say, say crap, but everything from social media to the, you know, the NDAA, the, I mean, just if it's congressional writing, if it's, you know, a book, like you are constantly taking information in. And, and I, I really don't know much. I just know how to find a lot of stuff because I do try to stay exposed to that. Um, and it's amazing how much you can learn on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, there's oftentimes where I'll come in in the morning and be Googling, uh, DOD article or some policy that I saw on Facebook the night before, uh, AFI changes, things like that. And hey, is everybody aware of this? Here's the article that goes with that. And it's because I've heard it or seen it somewhere uh, in in passing. And I think it's important to share. And you've got you know, a lot of your academy classmates and stuff are in positions that have knowledge of the things that we want to have knowledge of, right? So you, you've got a lot of my classmates are retired and enjoying <laughs> yeah. their seasoned part of their life. I'm one of the last uh, few holdouts, I think, yeah. still in uniform. I have a few general officer classmates who are still in, but I think yeah. we're probably down to uh, under 20 who are still in uniform. So let's talk about that. So general officer, you have people that were in your class that are general officers, right? Absolutely. So GOs and 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 you, you've done very well for yourself here. And No complaints. <clears throat> but... Was that a was that a goal of yours go geo or was that just something what what do you feel like that that capped there like how how do we get to this point for you for your career? It, I would say it was never a goal. It was an opportunity mm -hmm. that um, that door opens as a colonel um, at about the three year point into your time as a colonel. The reserve brigadier general officer screening board process opens. It's much like any other promotion process, except for it's one step of four. Yeah. So your records go before a board, you write a two line, uh, push statement. Push statement. Um, it, it goes in and it gets reviewed by a board and you either make the list or you don't, if you make the list, then that's step one to making general officer. That list then goes up to the Senate and may or may not get confirmed. If you're on the list that gets confirmed, then you have to find a general officer billet and be placed, and then you have to com compete for a general officer promotion opportunity. Now, that's on the reserve side. The active duty side operates a little bit differently, but also several steps Very, yeah. requires congressional approval. It has to be confirmed by the Senate, all of those sorts of things. Um, so I, I met that screening board a number of times, I think five or six different times. I've been a colonel for a really long time. Um, and made the list only one of those opportunities and then made the list, but then was not placed in a general officer position, just 
timing. Um, and so the door is closed. I've aged out of that opportunity. And, and quite honestly, God does wonderful things. And I can see that I'm probably not of the political uh, caliber to have dealt with the political requirements of being a general officer. I love being here at the airman level where the rubber meets the road, and I couldn't be happier that this is, uh, as of right now, supposed to be my last assignment. So, so we had that. I look back at my career too, and I'm like, there's so many times where I'm like, you know, uh, pounding the fist on the table, or you know, it's because you're like, I should have had that position, or I should have been. And now I look back at it, I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't get that. Like number one, I wouldn't have been ready, you know, or would have failed at it. Or you see the, you see that person a year later and they're just like, you know, why you've aged 10 years? Like what, what happened? They're like, uh, you haven't heard what happened there. Like it was, you know, a crap sandwich and, and I took a huge old bite of it. And so, absolutely. so <clears throat> people, I think a lot of times see you and, and see, you know, someone in a position of leadership, oh six or chief or, or, or their supervisor or whatever. And they're like, man, she's got it all figured out. Like. Your life was, you know, you, you hit all the marks at the right time and you, you know, your life was smooth and you just got here and, um, and you, you made it right. So, I mean, this is your career went exactly the way you wanted it to, to set in this seat. Not so much. Yeah. So, so um, let's, let's talk about that. Like what, what was the first time like in your career where you're like, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. Well, if I can go backwards just sure. a little bit farther. So I brought a piece of paper here with me because I wanted to get his name right. Uh, when I was in third grade, so eight years old, mm -hmm. lived in Phoenix, Arizona. My dad worked for General Motors at the Desert Proving Grounds. Williams Air Force Base was a T-38 training base in Phoenix. The ground space for the Desert Proving Grounds was the crash zone for the Air Force Base. So lots of joint use mm -hmm. agreements. Um, a big agreement was signed. Uh, General David Baker, who was then uh, Captain Baker, was an instructor pilot, T-38 instructor pilot. He was also a Vietnam POW for 230 days. I got to meet him as a result of the connections of my dad. And that was my first real connection to the military and to the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And through conversations with him, uh, he became friends of the family I got introduced to the concept of the Air Force Academy. So as a third grader at eight years old, I decided that's where I was going to college. Uh, Did you have that figured out, Josh, at third grade? <laughs> I still don't know what I want to do when yeah, I grow yeah. up. So. Third, so Third grade, eight years old, this guy inspires you. You're like, um, that's it. Th I, this is what I want to do. And, and I am definitely driven and determined and oftentimes called stubborn. <laughs> um, and that's okay. So... We moved back to Michigan. Life goes on. Uh, I'm swimming, doing well there. Uh, one of my swimming teammates uh, in high school decides she's going to West Point. She's a year ahead of me. She goes through the application process. I watch that happen. I watch her get accepted. I'm like, I could, I could do this too. So I haven't forgotten my experience as a third grader. I apply to all the academies. Uh, I get turned down by the Navy because I can't see, but for whatever reason, the Air Force decided that was okay. And then also accepted at West Point. So I choose the Air Force Academy, make that my goal, commission, do maintenance, sounds like a great career path, and having a blast. And then decide uh, I want to get married, have kids, decide I don't like my children being the first ones into daycare and the last ones out of daycare. So we as a family need to make some decisions, get off active duty, become a traditional reservist the very next day. So let's talk about that. Like, because you seem very driven and very career driven, you know, and not, I, I shouldn't say career driven. You just seem very driven. I, I, you know, we've been able to work with each other a little bit outside of here. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're building your bathroom or remodel on your bathroom or whatever. You, you, you've researched it. You're ready. You're driving, you're going right. And so now here's a time where you're like, wait a second. I've got to put this, was that a hard transition? Like putting that on the back burner and saying, okay, I may get passed by some of my peers here, but this is what I want to do. Um, it, I couldn't give it up. I mean, it's part of who I am. It's in my fabric to be a military member. I like the structure. I like the order. I like the, the, that mindset of, I think most of us are type A personalities, but I also, being a good mom was super important to me. So 
the the reserve balance was actually perfect. And it worked out great while my kids were young, uh, allowed me to volunteer in their classrooms, volunteer with the Red Cross. I taught all kinds of CPR and first aid courses for the Red Cross, kept my hands in a lot of pots, was able to uh, grow um, outside of being a mom, you know, right. speak to other adults, not speak in Sesame Street every day. Yeah. Um, so it, it worked out to be a great balance. Uh, and it allowed my ex now, and we'll get there, I'm sure, to uh, to further his career and allowed us to live overseas for five years and, and do a whole bunch of really fun things that I wouldn't have otherwise uh, gotten to do. When we got our orders to the Azores, for instance, we'd never heard of the Azores, didn't, you know, had to get out a map, um, but wouldn't trade the experience of living on an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean for anything. Yeah. So you, so you go reserve and then you had a, you had a IRR stint there too, right? I did only because uh, when I left active duty, I was at uh, McClellan Air Force Base Mm -hmm. in California, yet another base that's closed since I was there. Yeah. Um, and there was a reserve wing right across the street. So that was super easy. Pick up my pencil, go to a new desk. And then we moved to Ellsworth in South Dakota and there was no reserve wing. So I didn't know how to be a reservist in any other way than to be in a wing. Yeah. Um, I tried Wyoming National Guard. I didn't know anything about the IMA program, tried to figure that out. So in the process of having my second baby and not being within 500 miles of an actual reserve wing, I just didn't know how to get there from here. So I ended up not getting enough points for two years uh, while I was raising babies and and being with my then active duty husband at, at a place in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it, it is what it is. Yeah. Those two bad years, if you will, are on my record. And I did do some recruiting for the Air Force Academy and ROTC and worked with congressional staffers to do those um, Senate and congressional interviews for Academy cadets. And so I kept my fingers in the pot, but I just didn't know about how to count the points in the right way to make sure I had good years. Yeah. So that was the same with me. I I went in the IRR. I I had a turn of events where I was married and, and we had two kids that we had just adopted and my wife died in a, in a car accident. And so I was a police officer, single dad, had a private business, uh, you know, and, and I was just, it got to a point where I was like, I am dreading driving out here for the UTAs. And I always said that if I dread going there, that I would, I would stop. And so luckily for me, I had a chief that said, uh, actually general Bradley, who was in, in the air force reserve chief at the time, he, he called me and said, you know, hey, I don't know if you know who I am. I'm like, I sure do. <laughs> yes, sir. Just just so happens to do. And 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 he's like, I heard you're getting out. And I said, Yes, sir. I'm, I apologize, but I, I just can't handle it. I, I can't handle everything. And, and he said, I get it, but I'm going to ask you to reenlist and go in the IRR. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know what the IRR was. I didn't know. And he said, you know, he called me son. He said, son, I'm just going to ask you to to trust me. And, and go in the IRR. And I said, you know, I, I appreciate it, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I can. And he's like, okay. He goes, well, now it's no longer a suggestion. I'm telling you. It's, he goes, there. the reserve is going to need you at some point, and you're probably going to need the reserve. So I said, I'm asking you to go in. So I didn't know anything about the IRR either. So I have three bad years on my record, you know, that, that are in there where uh, one year even, it's, you know, I had like 38 or 40 points. And then on the other end, you know, the, the the year coming out, I have like 30 points or something. And I'm like, why didn't somebody tell me like to, to get these points? And so, you know, that was probably, you know, for you, probably the first time your career vectors off of, you know, maybe where you, you wanted to go or, or what you want to do. And so you're in the IRR, you're in Ellsworth, uh, you're married, two kids, then what? So off to Maxwell, um, my ex got selected to go to ACSC in residence. So mm-hmm. the 908, the 130 wing is right there. So I walked down the street. Hi, I'm here for a year. Can you use a new maintenance officer? Yeah, we're prepping for an ORI. Come on in. We'd love to have a new person on the team. New eyes will be great. So um, my uh, older son at that point was in the pre-K school, uh, DOD school on base. 
I go over to the daycare on base, the CDC, and enroll my younger one in drop-in care and was able to use that when I wanted to do drill time. So ended up with a number of points that year and then off to the Azores we go. And by this time I've started to find a mentor, uh, a Colonel at Scott Air Force Base and AMC headquarters was able to work with him to figure out the IMA program. How do I get attached to an active duty wing? Yeah. Um, so then in the Azores, I walk in and say, hey, I'm a free maintenance officer. Whenever you guys need one, all you got to do is let me know and we'll ask AMC for the money. And so did quite a bit of, of work with the debt there uh, at Lodges. And again, kids are in school and daycare at this point, so I've got some freedom to continue to develop professionally. Uh, I took care of my PME as a captain. And then again, uh, when I made major, enrolled, knocked it out. So at least I wasn't uh, limiting myself. You know, let me so, tick the boxes yeah. that I can and, and perform in a method that fits me. And then off to Aviano we go. And same thing. Uh, we got to Aviano in July of 2001, and then 9-11 happened. So they were looking for any humans they could to to work. And so I was able to do quite a bit of work while I was yeah. there. That's a, it's interesting is it, you know, your, your story may be similar to other people's, but it, they, they never really match. Right. So you look at you and I, we, I, I love working with you because I think we're, we're opposites, right. Is we, we don't, it, it's, we have different thought processes. You always give me a hard time whenever it's time for me to speak at anything. And you're like, Hey, keep it short. But you usually end up speaking longer than I do. But it's the reason why is because that is the shortest. You said the shortest thing that's in your brain. I say everything that's in my brain, and it doesn't. That's a, it doesn't last that long, right? But it's the two things, right? You you do PME ahead of time because you're like, hey, I, I'm not due for PME. I'm not due for PME for a while. But uh, right now is a good time for me to do this. Knock I look, it out. I look back at my life and I'm like, I was an idiot. Like I did PME when I'm like, yeah, I'm almost promotion eligible. Oh, I am promotion eligible now. I've been promotion eligible for a while. Maybe I'll do PMB now, right? And so it's it's kind of that that thinking, if we can give airmen something, you know, that whole, hey, you don't know what's next. You don't know how fast things are going to come. You don't know what's, you know, what's what's coming. And, and you being prepared for those moments allows you to, to hit those things, you know, in a, in a manner where they're right in front of you and now you can do them. Whereas someone like me, there was times where I had was not ready. And so there was, you know, times where there I'm like, hey, I apply for this job and I'm and they're like, great, but you don't meet all the qualifications because you didn't do these things. And so I, I love these stories because I, I want our airmen to see is be ready. You know, you never know the life. I'm sure when you were starting out at the academy and stuff, you're probably like, I'm gonna do 20 years and then I'll I'll get out. Then you get married and have kids. And you're like, okay, well, maybe I'll just take a little break and then I'll go back after it. And now you're an IMA, which again is a scary time, I think for, for a lot of reservists because you're, you're just out there alone and on your own. You, you've got to know how to take care of your own career because the active duty stop probably going to help you Take and, care of your career. Yeah, this was in the early 2000s. So at Aviano as an IMA. Before IMAs were really that big. I mean, now it seems like there's IMAs all over, but then And, and there's a process now. You yeah. have the Rios and the debts mm -hmm. and they in a centralized management process. So uh, I wrote my own uh, annual performance reports. I made sure they got processed through my boss. And then, you know, at that point, you walked into the MPF on the active duty side and they said, we don't know what to do with this. Yeah. So you made three copies and you made sure you got it sent to all the right people and it got in your records. And so, yeah, being knowledgeable enough about the process to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Uh, but in a manner that, you know, I, you're not flaunting your career. You're not trying to push yourself on right. anybody. You're just trying to make sure that the right things get done at the right times and yeah. you don't get uh, dropped in the crack. Yeah. So yeah, did that. Was at Aviano for three years. Um, Worked some 9-11 projects, worked, uh, uh, that was F-16s, so worked some NATO TAC evals. You know, it's always nice to have an extra maintenance officer. Okay, you pull all the grave yeah. shift. Okay, no problem. Um, 
hot pit refueling F-16s had never been done at Aviano. So you need somebody to walk down and have coffee with the Italians because they actually own the installation. And you probably speak... I spoke Italian or at least enough Italian at the time. How that many I languages could, do you... Do you- um, well, I minored in Spanish in college yeah. and then I lived in Portugal for two years. So I was able to understand a fair amount of that. And then moved to Italy. And in Italy, I actually put my kids in the Italian public school at the end of our street. So they were completely bilingual kids in four months. And as a result of having to help them with homework and work with their teachers, we had a tutor. uh, But I picked up the language pretty easily. It's just I had a gift for being comfortable in languages that I uh, aren't native to me. And and so. And you raised rocket scientists. So I kind of feel like that's. That's something to be said there. Like, this isn't rocket science. It actually is. Like, that's how you get to it. Like, that's, meanwhile, that's my oldest likes to say is that someone's like, do you speak Spanish? He's like, I barely speak English. Like, <laughs> still try to master that. Like, so that's our household. Like, so, so it, in Italian school, like. It, yeah, and then, love that assignment. Great oh, yeah. opportunity. Tons of travel. Um, you know, would never trade that experience for right. the world. Uh, and again, exposed to different aspects, spent some time at the command post there, some time in XP there. So saw a little bit, got exposed to more than just a soda straw of yeah. one base and one job. Um, so then after Aviano, Travis and a maintenance officer there still, but again, some staff work there, work in different projects with the active duty wing and then Travis to Dover. Um, came in to stand up a new squadron, hired as the, the first squadron commander of a, of a of a new squadron, which is super cool opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, in that in the lineage the for first. a squadron, yeah. my name is the first commander. So you're the best of the worst that they've ever had. Absolutely, like, right? Here, absolutely, the best of the, the worst. The best and the worst. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happens when you get to be first. That's right. So and was able to put together a phenomenal team, had an awesome chief there, built our team from scratch, uh, handpicked the maintenance team from the other squadrons while we put this one together, had a three-way change of command while we furled one uh, guide on, unfurled another, and moved all the deck chairs around. So pretty cool opportunity. Um, And then got divorced, needed a full-time job, needed insurance, uh, tried to figure some things out, and the vice wing commander, Dave Wiest was his name, came up to me and said, you know, the LRS uh, squadron commander position is open, and it's an art, so that'll give you the things that you need. And I said, sure, I've never been a logistics officer in my life. He's like, you'll figure it out. And I said, uh, are you sure, sir? He said, you'll be fine. So I said, all right. So I went and talked to the mission support group commander at the time, um, and she said, give me your resume. I had never built a USA jobs resume before. So I said, do you have some examples? Got a few examples from folks, built my seven page USA jobs resume. Some miracle, I got qualified for the job. And two weeks later, I now have a full-time job insurance, uh, in a squadron that I've never even spelled before. And I'm learning, how to do uh, sorts and arts and reports and all about our UTCs and how to get folks deployed and prepping for an ORI. So what what age were you at that point? So that was 2008. So let's see, 2007, I would have been 40. So 41-ish, yeah. So here you go from third grade little girl, right? And you, you get this picture in your head and you're like, hey, I'm going to... I'm going to be someone, I'm going to go to the academy and and I'm going to have a career in the Air Force. And you're like, okay, third grade girl, does she lay out, you know, hey, I want to go this. And then I'd like to take a stint where, you know, maybe have a couple bad years to where I don't get credit for those, right? And go in the IRR and maybe can't find a place to even serve. I want to serve, but I can't really find a place to serve that meets my lifestyle right now. So you take those a little out and then it's, you know, now I'm going to go IMA where I don't really have a, like you said, you've got to seek out a mentor and you've got to learn all this stuff or your career is pretty much just going to be exactly where it's at is in that spot that you're in to, you know, you bounce all around the world and now you end up, Hey, I'm sitting here. uh, I'm divorced with this experience on the backside of the, and I need a job insurance and, and I like food with my meals. So I need a paycheck. It, 
is that how you planned it off? Like you, you look at that and you're like third grade, like, man, I hope all this happens. Like you wrote that out. Like, are you going to pull out a piece of paper? That's like, this is how, what I wrote it. It's exactly how I thought. You know, God will always, uh, laugh in your face when you decide, tell him you've got a plan. Yeah. So, so what I, do, I was kind of waiting for the piece of paper to come out. Yeah. Like this could backfire. Yeah. Uh, but it, so how do you, we, we've got, Airmen on the space that are going through that right now, that may be forced with, or maybe faced with a divorce, maybe faced with, you know, losing a job outside of here. I mean, I, I can say one of our first sergeants had a, a job before, you know, this, this whole thing happened and, and, and lost it because of COVID and stuff. And so we're, someone's faced with something right now. Like what's the advice you give them to those that are in it, but then also those that haven't hit that yet. Because I say yet, because I think it's coming. Life doesn't care. It's just a matter of time. Everybody's going to have their challenge. And two things. One, faith. Um, I've had faith my whole life. I've had a strong faith family. Um, I've had great um, people in my catcher's mitt who helped me through the difficult times. And, And I've also my family, my immediate family, you know, mom, dad, brother have always been there for me as well. Um, so uh, having that faith is is super helpful when you're not quite sure if you're going to put shoes on your kids or food on the table. Uh, and, and there were some moments like that. So, you know, say, well, you're a colonel, you're a GS-14. How could you ever have gone through that? Oh, trust me, there's moments. Um, and then resilience. You know, if if the Air Force Academy and basic training and um, – those sorts of things and 12 hour days and, and being at McCord when we got the evacuees from Mount Pinatubo blowing up in the Philippines and, and, and all right, we'll put in a 36 hour day. So you learn to not let your mind drive what your body's capable of. You know, you can always go a little farther, a little harder. You can work a little longer. Um, so I think having that foundation makes those tough spots easier to get through. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes just taking life an hour at a time, yeah. uh, you know, okay, if I look too far ahead, it doesn't look good. So let's just look one hour, one day, one week at a time and, and know that with hard work, determination, faith, family, and friends, there's light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah. There, there's a reason why we got the four pillars, right? And faith is Absolutely. one of them, you know, and it, it's, it's amazing that that kind of comes back to those. And there's a lot of things that you're like, yeah, this is kind of cheesy air force stuff, but that one seems to work. Right. And, uh, you know, just, I think sometimes that, that if our future, we look at our future and, and we're so certain about it and really there's no certainty, Mm-mm. right? There's no, there's no certainty to it. There's, there's no way we can predict. I mean, this this last uh, week we got the the word that uh, the KC forty six is going to march. Right? We we put our best foot forward. We put and and I think there was people that were gearing towards, you know, that that forty six. Well, then when that doesn't happen, everybody wants to speculate the future. And the chance that the fact is, is we can prepare for the future, but we don't we don't know what that's going to bring. You know, is it, you can have an educated guess. But you're not sitting there, you know, in lodges going in the Azores. I don't know, maybe you were, but I wouldn't think you were sitting there going like, you know, in, in probably about eight years, I'm going to be divorced. So I probably need to start getting my stuff together. You know? It, a- absolutely not. Yeah. You you prepare for the future and and you you have a general plan, but man, the plan can get derailed at any time. So, you know, talk about derailment. So here I am now I've, I've come through a divorce. I've refinanced a house in my own name. I've got a job that has insurance. And then what happens? Hmm. I, I'm starting to get headaches. Yeah. My vision's Brain's getting a little. Brain's too big. That's what <laughs> I took. That's what I took that as. I've never had that problem. <laughs> no, no. So then, uh, lo and behold, September of 2014, I'm having a brain tumor removed. So there's a whole nother, all right, this might be the end of the career. I might not be. Uh, yeah, and you talk about faith. Right. That probably weighed heavy, right? Like, yeah, and yes and no. Um, 
So my, my brain tumor was diagnosed several years prior. And one of those things that we just kept watching and as it was growing and putting more pressure on, then it became time to do something. So I, I was blessed with the opportunity to you, know. First off, you say that pretty casually. Like it's like, it was like Josh calling me last night talking about his flat tire. Hey, you know what? It was at, at 80,000 miles on it. It's probably time, you know, there's no real big damage. It's okay. You're the same sense. It's a brain tumor. It, is, it had some mileage on it. It is about ready to blow. So we, you know, we had this time to do so. Was, I, and the, you know, honestly, that's, that's, how it got to, obviously you have the freak out at the beginning and yeah. you do all, I do all sorts of research. Let me find some books. Let me read some articles. Let me find some podcasts. Let me do you this. Went, let me do that. You went to the Gretchen. You started, right, yeah, right. You started diving in. Yeah. So, so I learned, and then I learned that there's a lot of people who probably have teeny tiny brain tumors that will never know it. They'll live a long and happy life and nothing will ever have to be done. So you get to a point where you can either be consumed by this or you can live your life and and just let it be part of who you are. You know, it's part of the fabric of who I am. I'm divorced. I'm a mom. I have a brain tumor. Okay. But I got things to do and places to go and people to see. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep moving on through life. So we get to the point where that becomes untenable. And so I have brain surgery. I was not scared. I was I was felt so at ease with the decision to finally have the tumor removed. Um, I, my, the deputy that I had at the time, Bruce Carper's his name, he's a Colonel now was phenomenal. Came on board. We built the, we actually called it the brain book so that he could step into the group commander role. While I was gone. Um, and we didn't miss a beat. And so we kind of planned for this. Like I said, we had time. So three, four months, we kept working on the brain book so that we didn't miss a beat. Um, my admin person at the time was a rock star, still is. Uh, so she had things like a well-oiled machine. Um, but that's certainly not something I had in my plan. Yeah. Uh, but I was at the right place with the right people, with the right family, with the right boss to make it in, in let's, I was in at Dover. Yeah. So you got Johns Hopkins, the Mayo Clinic, um, the University of Pennsylvania, Thomas Jefferson Medical Center, uh, you know, everything you could possibly imagine from a care location. Hey, can, you can you remember back to when you were sitting at Travis? Like, where did you guys want to go from Travis? Well, we actually ended up leaving Travis early because of my ex's personal situation. Yeah. Um, so, but if you thought it like you know, like Dover isn't really a highly sought after destination unless you've lived there, mm -hmm. right? And, and so, you, you know, a lot of people like when I got when I when I got stationed Dover, I was like, dang it, like I put everything else on my, you know, I put Travis on my dream sheet, and I put you know all these other bases, and Dover's where I'm going. Have you ever been to Grand Forks, North Dakota? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You've had all the good bases. <laughs> why so, not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. So, um, but you, you think even that. Being at Dover at that moment for those things, for that time. It, my ex was at, uh, the, his orders were to the Pentagon. And what I said at that point was, I don't want to be in the DC Beltway and even as a reservist and try to navigate that and try to get kids to orthodontist appointments and mm -hmm. to sporting events when I've got an hour and a half drive in every direction. Um, so that's when I actually sought out Dover and said, well, let me find some place close. Um, we were kind of in the process of separating anyways, uh, custody of kids, all those yeah. things. So Dover actually, um, was my choice yeah. only to facilitate, uh, that whole process of going through the separation and the yeah. divorce and managing the children and making sure they were close enough to dad and all of those sorts of things. So, so you're right. Did I seek it out? Sort of, but man, again, I don't I think anybody's Dover, Dover's anybody's choice until you get there. It's, it's a great it's a little great gym, location. You know, yeah. it's, it's a great little, nice, nice little place to be. It is centrally located, which is amazing. You can but, do a ton of stuff yep. from there. Uh, which I'm finding out Grissom is also. Uh, yeah. So, but so, Look at this, and I, I'm like, it's one of the things you and I have talked about is uh, building airmen that are, you know, I feel like we, we both have lived pretty resilient lives, but 
Uh, I tell my kids this all the time, and I tell the, the airmen this too, is uh, I want airmen that are more resilient than me. Mm-hmm. If you're just as resilient as me, then it's not going to cut it. Like you need to be, you need to learn from my mistakes. You need to learn from my life experience and the, the successes that, that we've had along the way on, on ways things have gone. And I want you to be more resilient than me. And so, you know, again, you, you lead the MSG and, and, you know, you teach the, the flight leadership course and the, the flight chief course. Um, you know, how do you, how do you build that? How do you build an, how do you build another Colonel Wilty? You know, and, and I think you're like me. You're like, don't, don't build another Colonel Wilty. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I, not that, that I'm saying that. Me, right? I'm, I'm saying like, don't build another cheap right? parts. But, but, you know, it's how do you build someone that you're like, okay, this is a better version of me. God, all I can do is, is be my authentic self. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk about my story. Uh, I, I've not ever tried to hide the ups and downs of the things I've gone through. Um, I, I have a passion for teaching. Um, as I mentioned, I taught a whole bunch of Red Cross courses mm-hmm. in my TR time, looking for work, uh, did some substitute teaching at the junior high and high school level. Um, and then the opportunity to teach the flight chief course. Those are things that have always interested me. Yeah. Um, so if I can share, then I, I guess I feel like I've, I've done my job. You know, if, if I can learn and then share, then I've, I've done all I can to prepare. To build, yeah. Build, build people better, up yeah. And, and, and prepare folks for what comes ahead. There's a great program out there, um, Storytellers. I don't know if you've been a part of that, but but it's it's really just what we do here on this podcast. And that's where you get together with people that have been through stuff and and they tell their story. And it's amazing the resilience that it builds in someone else because someone's going to hear this and they're going to be sitting there and be like, hmm, I'm going through a divorce. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering whether I'm going to make the bills or or put food on the table or whatever, you know, and or, you know. So someone's going to be out there and be like, I have headaches, maybe I have a break, break to her. No, <laughs> you know, the, but it's someone is going through something right now that, that they're looking for that resilience piece. Like, how do I, I don't think I can make it right now. You know, I, I don't think, I, and, and I think what you said earlier, something I found out and, and something I think you found out early too is, man, we're capable of way more than what we think we are. Mm-hmm. And if we just look at the situation as a whole, like a, you know, if we try to guess every op, every option that's out there and it's going to be overwhelming. But if I can make it through today, I have one. One day at a time. Then I'll work on tomorrow. Yep. You know, and and it's, what can I do today to prepare myself for what tomorrow may hold? Uh, And I think I I look back at that and I, you know, for me, the best piece of advice I can give people is, is don't want to do what I did. Uh, Chief Scully talked about on the last podcast is prepare now for what you think you're going to want to do later. But prepare now even for, uh, like you talked about, third grade, you, you've got this career path in front of you, but you still have to prepare for, you know, this over here and this over here. And what if this happens and what if this happens? Because if you didn't do all that stuff, now it comes down to your divorced individual. You're you're sitting there and now you're going up against someone who has all that stuff done. Absolutely. And, and you you miss out on this opportunity for you and your family. And who knows if you're sitting here at that point. Absolutely because who true. Knows you have to go go downtown and get a job, or you know, it, again, working at the Y teaching courses, uh, you know, instead of doing this. You're, you're spot on, but I can also say that I have never done um, something that for the sole purpose of making sure. I was ticking the box. It was there was always something I either wanted to do, or interested me. Um, one of the things you had to do to at the time that I did it to make major was have your master's degree. Well, a lot of people signing up for uh, Embry Riddle's yeah. correspondence master's military, yeah. right? That's not what I wanted. I wanted something that I found interesting. So. I did a master's in engineering project management. So that that to me was where my interest was. My undergrad is in ergonomics engineering. Um, so while I've met all the requirements, uh, typically on the earliest timeline that I could, it's also because I, I, I 
enjoyed cared it. About yeah. The, yeah, cared about the subjects. ACSC, I can say, was probably the one that was just <laughs> ticking the box because that was just painful. Yeah. Um, but Air War College, I actually found super interesting. And then I had the opportunity to do the 40-week um, joint PME class run out of Norfolk. That's a class that I learned a ton in and wish I'd have done 10 years earlier. Yeah. Um, we talked the other day about uh, the RSSB, all yeah. those short classes. Going on you my know. vector and just and picking a, up one of those two or three stuff. day classes. Yep. Yeah. So I did leadership today and tomorrow, um, and I've applied for a whole bunch of other ones. Unfortunately, I keep applying for the NATO Oberammergau classes. Yeah. I never get selected. Um, See, those classes intimidate me a bit. You? Uh, no, not at all. Yes, of course. <laughs> I even see the uh, the acronym. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, so. I, know. I will never get this yeah. right. I'll never be able to put it on the resume because yeah. I can't remember that many letters. Yeah. See, I, and I'm just the opposite. I'm like, huh, I wonder what that is. Yeah. Let me throw my name in the hat and see if it sticks, you know? Yeah, and, and I love that too is um, I love how comfortable you are with you, right? There, There's the the... Uh, you know, times where you nerd out on stuff and, and it's, you know, and I'll, I'll be on the other side and be like, nerd alert. And you're like, yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. Nerd. You know, you push your glass out. You're like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, nerded out on this. this and, yeah, this is my thing. I may have spent four hours on this last night, but I did. And this is the information I got. And, you know, and I love how that, and you can walk in a room and, and I think people are drawn to that is the fact that too, is you, you stay true to who you are. You know, we, we, Carol Pemberton and I talked about it today. Um, we're going through some stuff and, and, and fighting some, some fights. And, uh, you know, he said, Hey chief, you, you know, you, you got a little more of your career left than, than I do. He's like, why don't you let me? And I said, sir, I, I don't know if I want to continue a career if I can't look myself in the face and say, I don't, you know, or look myself in the mirror and say, I'm not comfortable with who I am. And I, I look at this and you're coming at the end of your, your, you got what year and a half left. Two years? Just under two, yep. yep. It, and I think you can look yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm comfortable with who I am. Absolutely. I didn't have to, I didn't have to reshape my whole life. I didn't drink the Kool-Aid so much that it, it I lost track of who I was. There was times where I stood up to, you know, Big Blue and said, This isn't fair and this isn't right for airmen. And there's there's times where I've said, Hey, listen, I know this doesn't seem fair to you, but it, big picture wise, you need to do this. If you, if you want to continue service here. I think you're spot on. And and we talked about the path to general officer and the fact that I'm not on it. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm superbly happy with the path that I'm on and in the deviations that my path has taken. And, and it wasn't meant to be because sometimes I am a little bit on the vocal side and, and I do have opinions and, and I think that our airmen deserve folks who will stand up and support them that way or give them the honest truth when they need to hear that too. Yeah. So I, I, right now you're sitting here, you're, you're two years from retirement and you talked about how you love this. And, and since you were, you know, third grade, right. And been in my blood a long time. And it's, you're about to walk away. Like, what's that, what's that feel like to you? And, and, and for, I guess, maybe put you in perspective, you got uh, an awesome fiance, Gary, who I've never met anyone who's had a bad thing to say about the guy. Like he, he's amazing dude. He's one of our key spouses, just can talk to you about anything. And if he doesn't know he's interested, you know, whatever you, whatever you have information you have that, that he doesn't know about, he's interested. So I love it. Uh, and love. So, so what's this look like for you? Like, uh, there will definitely be a void that has to be filled. I mean, I'm, I'm a person who has to be engaged with people on a, on a regular basis. Um, it surprises people to know that I'm an introvert because I do recharge at home by myself, mm -hmm. but I do need that interaction so that there will be some sort of giving back, uh, whether that's volunteering with veteran veterans coalitions, um, yeah, I'll be moving back to Michigan, actually living with Gary for the first time more than two or three weeks at a time. Um, so he may be like, tell me about this IMA program. Like, how do I? <laughs> yeah. You've never been in the military. Well, let's say that I just, maybe I'll start. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we've talked about that. You know, yeah. we're both independent, driven people and, mm -hmm. and have lived a lot of our lives single. 
And uh, there's definitely going to be room for him to go fishing and me to go to the condo in Detroit and have our alone time because we probably won't do well 24-7 together because we're just, that's not who we've ever been. Um, You know, my parents are approaching 80 and will need care. My parents live uh, in a ginormous house on... Log cabin, right? Is a log? log, yeah. It's yeah. You, you say log cabin. I would say log lodge, log aspen ski lodge style house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that takes a lot of care and feeding, and and on over two hundred acres of property that also takes care and feeding. So I see myself learning how to run the chainsaw a little better and how to drive the tractor a little better um, because there's things to do. So yeah. I won't be bored. Uh, Gary's got two children, and his oldest has our three grandchildren. So there's an opportunity there. Uh, We want to travel. There's a lot of the U.S. that I haven't seen. There's a ton of national parks that we have to tick off our list. So I don't see us sitting still a lot. Um, The property that my parents own, the house that they have, the other thing that we would like to do is to potentially do some hunting and fishing with veterans. And they you know, some of that PTSD healing yeah. um, is to volunteer to donate time and energy toward those events. I see us doing some things like that too. So that's awesome. No, it's exciting. It's, you know, definitely it's something exciting. to look forward yeah. to, and, and definitely not sitting there of uh, you know retirement. You're going to sit around and and read a book a day, or you know stuff like that. I'm sure you still, probably still will. But uh, what what about looking back at your career and you're like, okay. I wish I would have known this. Is there anything like that? Like any piece that you're like, man, if I would have caught this a little sooner, if I'd have known this a little sooner, um, you know, that this that probably would have helped me out a lot. Hmm. I guess I guess the only thing that I could say about that is that things that seem important at the time when you have hindsight aren't so important. Mm. Um, in the things that are important, the military does so well when it's time to launch aircraft for desert storm, or it's time to rally after nine 11, or it's time to respond to Katrina or, or whatever that is, or, you know, our medical response to COVID our ability to, to rally volunteers. We do that so well. But I think um, we sometimes make the simple things far more complex than they need to be. Uh, in certain payload will kill me, but something is like records management, you know, with the rules and the in the file management, and, and we spend a lot of time making things more difficult than they need to be. Uh, and and I think as a young leader, you can get wrapped up in those details mm-hmm. and and not focus as much on the, the bigger picture. Um, and if I could probably redo anything, it would be to just learn earlier how to step back and have a broader view. And I think that's just something we all develop over time and maturity that, that you don't necessarily see. You see life through your own soda straw when you're a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, you know, I was blessed on the flight line at McCord as a brand new second lieutenant to have some master sergeants and some chiefs grab me by the shirt collar and say, come on, LT, we got some things to teach you and and learned a lot. Um, Tech Sergeant Ed Bagley is was a hydraulic troop on 141s, and he took me up the inside of the 141 T-tail to look at pitch trim actuators when I was a lieutenant on grave shift. Those are, are moments that uh, helped shape me very early on, and I'm, I'm super thankful I got those opportunities. I think back sometimes and uh just what you were you were saying is there was things that I thought were so important that the Air Force had to have me, and I missed certain events in in you know my kid's life or my my family's life, and I look back at that and I'm like, I can't remember why I missed it, like I can't remember the event that I missed my kid's birthday for, but I remember that birthday, mm-hmm. you know, I remember missing that birthday, 
And so I think sometimes we do, we get, we get so caught up in this and, and we, we've talked about it is we get, especially when you get in these leadership roles as you're like, you know, I, I, I don't want to get behind, uh, you know, or, or the uh, need me to be here. And, and it's the fact of the matter is we need you to be healthy, you know, and we need you to, to spend time with your family and, and value those things. Josh, you got anything, any questions for, for Colonel Wilty? I don't, I don't know that I do. Yeah. You didn't know she had a rocket scientist. As uh, son, I did, did not. You? Yeah. I did not. You're learning things here. Did anyone go to Purdue? No Purdue. Uh, well, my rocket, rocket scientist. What my are you rocket about? scientist is a University of Michigan graduate. So yeah. we, we follow yeah. Big Blue at our Ooh, house. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least you had a good football season. Yeah, went to the playoff. So football, hockey, great hockey team yep. right now. Uh, basketball's coming around. It's so. not bad. Yeah, they got a couple good little rookies on their team. So uh, one of the last things that we do here is is we talk about what we're loving. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to say thanks. Uh, it's it's been so it's been a lot of fun getting to know you. It's been a lot of fun working with you. Uh, I love having uh, conversations and bouncing. I know that I can bring a perspective, and as soon as I do, your perspective is going to be different. And sometimes they match up, and sometimes they don't. And and I and I love that. You and, and me so, both. I yeah. think that's that's how we become a good team is to have conversations, meaningful, deep conversations, and try to look at things from all different angles. Um, and then still be able to walk away at the end of the day. And, and, you know, we all have a boss, Colonel Pemberton is ours and he's got a boss and mm -hmm. he's got a boss and so on and so forth. And, and we can still, uh, all drive toward the mission. Um, and yeah, I love being on a team that's as diverse and, and fun as yeah. the one we've got it's here. Fun. That's a big piece, right? Is it's, it's no good if we all just took it so seriously and, and got bent out of shape every time, you know, you said one of my ideas were dumb. But uh, I'm, I'm a one in 50 guy. I said that from the very beginning is one out of every 50 ideas I have is and a good one. And we love that one yeah. when you get it right. <laughs> yeah. 49. Sometimes they're back to back 49s. You have to deal with that. And then you'll, I'll get the, the 50. So it's it's fine. Uh, I'm okay with that. But uh, what are you loving? Like, what are you, what are, right now, what are you, what are you loving in your life that you're just like, man, right now, this is sort of taking in? Hmm. What am I loving? Uh, well, I just ordered my kitchen cupboards. Uh, my little house in Peru was uh, a foreclosure for a number of years and then lived in for a couple of years. And uh, we bought it with the intentions of flipping it and selling it. So kind of getting excited to start the demo on the kitchen. Um, that'll be the spring project and putting new cupboards in. And, and that'll be kind of the last hurrah for the, the little house. And then I'll have it for about a year where all I got to do is enjoy it. Is living it. Yeah. Is living it. Yep. So I, I think that's that's kind of my yeah my focus right now is you know getting excited about starting to rip down some some well, old project cupboards. management. You know, like the whole you know that that's I, right I, up your I, alley. I, I like thrive in project yeah. management. So yeah. you know, starting the spreadsheets and, and working <laughs> yes. through the webs and it, I need to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then my kitchen wouldn't sit sit unfinished for like three years. Yeah. Right. You're yeah, just I'll missing one yeah. cabinet. Still trying to visualize it. That's what I like to say. Yeah. Just still trying to visualize <laughs> it. <laughs> so what do you love it, Josh? Oh, so if, uh, if Michigan's the school, you're going to like this, you lost in the Super Bowl to him. So you're not going to, uh, you got a chance this year cause he won't be there, but have either of you watched the, uh, man in the arena? Yeah. The Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Some of it. Yeah. I so, have not. um, I I am loving that show right now and it's not it's not even just because of the football aspect there is a lot of um a lot of like Tom Brady's outlook on leadership and leadership skills that is like I'm watching this for football and 30 seconds in I'm like holy smokes this guy has gone through enough learned enough from other people to be an incredible leader. And some of the stuff he says really related to some of the stuff we were talking about today. He's talking about, um, you know, you get to the fourth quarter of a game and you're down 10 points. And what are you going to do? Are you going to look back at the first quarter and be like, oh man, I wish we would have, or we should have, or yeah. the refs didn't, or, and he's just like, no, you're going to, how are we going to, how are we going to make this better as a team? Um, and so if you, if you haven't watched all of it, just so you know, it's episode seven.
first three minutes of it. You don't really have yeah. to watch the rest because no one really likes to watch the Patriots win Super Bowls um, or de- or rewatch them. Um, but a lot of those episodes are just a lot of I, I feel like there's a lot of value um, and some leadership skills and some of the stuff that he talks about um, if you're able to yeah. apply that. Yeah, I, I love all those things that that you can apply to life. You know, the the lessons that you can learn that, and you start looking at it, and you're like, well, it's not much different than what we do. You know, he had to take the same approach we have to take, like you know, to to get where he's at, to be successful where he's at. It he helps just, with a lot of extra money, though. He makes more. Yeah, he makes more money than we <laughs> yeah. did for sure. You know, we've had a lot of virtual UTAs as a result of COVID, and. Those kinds of things, podcasts, yeah. TED Talks, I love uh, some TED Talks, are excellent opportunities for us to build resilient yep. airmen and expose them to things that they might not be looking for. So if we can, you know, put tools in that toolbox for supervisors to say, okay, let's watch this ten-minute clip of of this particular show, and, and then let's talk about how we can apply that to ourselves. Those are awesome opportunities. Yeah. I always say, uh, anytime I get an opportunity to speak at the beginning of a course, is I usually say the same thing, and, and that is you get out of it what you put into it. And I think it's the same way with life and your career and, you know, all those things is if you're willing to put, you know, a lot into it, you're going to get a lot out. You know, if you're willing to to overcome those things, if you're willing to overcome the deficits and, you know, the, the fourth quarter comebacks is, I mean, there's a lot you get out of it. And it's so... I was just uh, hoping you weren't going to bring up the fourth quarter comeback from. Yeah, I mean, 13 seconds with Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you've seen that, but he, the guy. I did. I uh, saw it. So, I mean, I've got it on my phone. I'm getting a shirt made. So, well, that's all right. Uh, I still have by the... the time this podcast airs, they'll be playing in the Super Bowl. So, or they'll be well, scheduled to play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, um, for me right now, I am loving where we're at in life. Um, you know, it is a an unconventional path that got us here to Grissom. Um, but seeing the, the growth in, in my family and in the growth in me and meeting people and, uh, just, you know, I got 18 year old boy that's getting ready to graduate high school. And so, you know, he had this whole same thing, had his whole career pre- planned out in front of him. And then, you know, now he's looking at the railroad and, and they're, you know, after him to be a conductor now. And so he's, he's, it's for first time he's like making adult decisions. Like I'm like, Hey, here's a job where you can make you know, quite a bit of money and have great benefits or you can go to school and then have the potential to make money. But you got to decide that like mom and dad aren't going to. And so he's, you know, wringing his hands at home. Like these decisions are hard. I'm like, good news is they continue for the rest of your life. Like it just, and you know, even, even my uh, little guy, he's in seventh grade and, and into wrestling and we're hitting the state tournament this weekend. And he's wringing his hands. Cause he's like, I don't know how I'm going to compete. And I'm like, man, but it's, it's that competition. It's the the being able to compete and and that really drives it. So I, I'm loving that, and uh, just gave blood and get to eat lunch with my wife. So I'm just I'm loving where we're at right now. I think we're in the right spot, and that's that's when you move around a bunch, and sometimes that's a hard thing to see. Is am I in the right spot? But if I can say one thing about uh, loving where we're at and loving having you on the team is. I mentioned that I'm an introvert at heart and and I rejuvenate kind of having alone mm-hmm. time. You can walk into uh, the supermarket, the shoe store, whatever, and you walk out with three new friends everywhere yeah. you go. <laughs> I tend to walk in, do my thing and leave and talk to as few people as possible. When I, when I uh, am in a space, I guess, where I'm comfortable or where uh, here at work, I'll talk to everybody. And I really do enjoy talking to people. But in those kind of environments, I guess my goal is part of that rejuvenation for me as an introvert, just to get in, do my thing, get out. And you're one of those people, I think, that thrives on that connection with people and and that extroverted nature of, of, you know, in line anywhere. And you have five new friends. Yeah, I reach a point. Leah hates it. I think she's getting better. Like, she now accepts it and everything. But um they, we used to almost drive two separate cars to church and stuff. Cause if there was anybody new, <laughs> they were like, dad's gone for a while. Like how long are we going to be here? You know, when Brady started driving, it was a lot of times Leo was like, I'll just drive home with them. Like, I'll see you later. So, but, and there, there comes a point where I'm like, I'm in the same boat. I need to recharge and I don't have the energy to, uh, but 
I have found that, and I say this a lot on this podcast, is helping other people, there's nothing else like it. And, and I can't, I don't know how to help them if I don't know them. And it's just, I, I, I drove from here last night down to a buddy of mine that was, uh, that was hurting and just showed up at his house and said, like, come on, man, we're going to go get some coffee. And his wife's like, what, what made you just show up? Cause he needs this. And I'm like, I just heard it in his voice. And, and we're here. And I tell you, it's those moments are just so rewarding and being here is so rewarding and, and, you know, being able to do those things. So I love it. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, always, always fun to have you around and, and have conversations with you. And, uh, and, and thank you from the, on behalf of the, the airmen of Grissom for all that you brought here, uh, for the leadership courses, for the leadership, for, for the, the diversity that you brought here, for, um, the experiences that you brought and, I tell you, there's, uh, I think it's usually a race when someone's, when someone's going through something is who's going to get there first. And, and I love that you're, you're one of the first ones in line to get there to help someone out. And so I, I appreciate that. I, I value that in, in a teammate in, in, in someone that I look up to as a leader. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. A great conversation. And, uh, in working in a team that is as tight and as, as family, uh, oriented as, as the team here at Grissom is, it certainly makes it easy to, to help each other out and, and glad to be part of, of who we are. All right. That was a fun conversation. Uh, always a good time sitting down with Colonel Wiltsey. I appreciate her so much. Uh, we talked about it briefly in there, but uh, the, the news came out that March was a preferred base for the KC-46 in this round. And so even though Grissom was not named as the top choice, we were named in one of the top three choices there. Uh, and there's still some economic studies and some other things that have to be done at March. And so uh, it's not likely, but uh, it, it's possible that the KC-46 still comes here. But uh, we are, are planning and ready to for any mission and looking for, for more missions to take on here at, at Grissom. And so as we had this conversation and, and as we go throughout our careers, it is great to plan for a path forward. It's great to plan that, you know, hey, I don't ever plan to leave Grissom. I don't ever plan to, um, you know, go outside of here, or go to Africa, or go to any of those things. Believe me, I did the same thing. But what we'd like to get better at is a mindset that says, even though that this is my plan, how do I plan for alternates? How do I plan for for those unexpected things in life, whether it be a divorce or maybe a new uh, another a new marriage or or kids that that move to a different area? How do I plan for those things, and how do I set myself up? And I think the easy way is that this is kind of the DT board season for officers and enlisted is, is start looking into how do you meet your career field's de- development board? How do you do that? How do you get out there to where someone else can look at your records and say, hey, here's what, what could be happening. And then also just, it's a good rule of thumb to have that in your own life is never be too invested in just one single plan. Always be able to, to adapt and, and overcome. And we talk about that uh, be, be ready to put your mask on first and then start helping those around you. And so uh, we appreciate you guys. We're always here to help. Hopefully this podcast helped you a little bit through things and um, be respectful to each other. And we can't wait to, to see you out there.